Last night, Saturday night service, I talked to those that were here about how sometimes we pray and the answer to our prayer doesn't come right away. Matter of fact, sometimes it's like God is not talking to us. And yet we keep praying. It's a wonderful story about that in Daniel chapter 10. Daniel had had this vision that just shook him to the core of his being. And he sought the Lord and he fasted and he prayed. And maybe you've been in this 40-day fast of prayer with us and the thing that you're seeking God about is you still haven't gotten an answer for yet. But I encourage you, don't give up. Keep seeking the Lord. Sometimes there are things that are going on that we can't see. As a matter of fact, when Daniel finally got an answer to his prayer, he was so overwhelmed that his strength left his body. And the word of the Lord, supernaturally, an angel just touched him and encouraged him. And he told him, he said, you know, you were heard from the first day. But there was this battle that was taking place unseen to Daniel. You can read all about it in Daniel 10. But twice he said to Daniel, Daniel, you are greatly loved by God. So sometimes after that dry spell, where you don't feel like you've heard from God, you need it more than just from your pastor preaching it. You need it more than just from a beautiful song like Melody just sang about his love for you. You need to hear it from the Lord himself. You are greatly beloved. And you know that. You know that God loves you. A number of years ago, well over 30 years ago, well over 35 years ago, as I think about it, I was a young youth pastor in the upper parking lot of our camp. I had been praying about some things in our city, in our community that I wanted to see happen. I wanted to see because in the little South Georgia town where I was youth pastor at, I wanted to see our students and our student ministry become more of a mixture of, of the people who live there. I wanted to see our city touched by God. And the more I prayed, I just couldn't seem to hear from the Lord about it. I went to one of my mentors, Tom Lawrence, and later Tom and I would serve in our district offices together. And I asked him, I said, Tom, have you ever had those times where you just felt like God was being quiet? He just wasn't talking to you. And I remember a big smile broke out on Tom's face as we sat up in that upper parking lot. He says, Denny, that's a good place to be. He said, if your heart's right with God, that's a good place to be. You're going to grow. And he just pulled out his Bible, and that was one of the things that so touched me about Tom and the kind of man I wanted to become. He just kept turning through his Bible, showing me places where God had been quiet. And what happened? And I remember that being the most encouraging time, and though it took a few years, 
wasn't long before God gave us the high school campuses. God gave us the principal. God gave us the band director. Our football team was seven times the national football champions. And every time our football, our high school band would walk off the field, I've told you this before, they would pray Andre Crouch's song to God be the glory. And people would stand up everywhere that band went when they would play that song. To God be the glory, to God be the glory. And people would just clap and cheer. And I remember just watching this amazing event, meeting with almost 400 students every Friday morning on the campus at 7.30 to get high school students to be at a meeting they don't have to be at at 7.30 in the morning. That's a miracle in itself. I can remember when the city, when the mayor called me in one day and he said, Pastor Dennis, how would you like to just sponsor something for the entire city of Valdosta? I said, can we include the county? He says, if they'll cooperate with us. Mayor and I jumped on the liquor store. And um, he and I used to joke city of 45,000. He'd come to our church sometime. He'd come to see what was happening with our kids. And I appreciated the fact that he was supporting. He never, as far as I know, he never crossed the line. His wife did. She crossed the line, gave her heart to Jesus. I prayed with him on the altar. And I watched God give us a city, but it came after a prolonged period of fasting and prayer being quiet and sometimes not hearing from God. It didn't happen overnight. But you see, you cannot expect to hear from God until, first of all, you apply the principles that God has already revealed to you in His Word to your life. So when God is quiet, when God's not talking to you, or when you don't get an answer to your prayer immediately, you don't just throw up your hands and say it doesn't work. Faith perseveres. There's something really called the perseverance of the saints. And you keep applying what God says until that time where you see your prayer prayed in accordance will the will of God happen. And that revival touched rich kids and poor kids. That revival touched black kids and white kids, jocks and nerds, musicians. It was one of the greatest things I was ever part of. David prayed one time in Psalms 109.1. He said, I praise you, God. Don't keep silent. I praise you, God. Don't keep silent. He was struggling with the fact that he was worshiping. He was applying the best he knew how. But somehow or another, he wasn't hearing from God. And there is this real sense that God is never silent. There's this real sense every day creation declares the glory of God. Real sense. God's talking through pastors around the world this morning through pulpits who preach the Bible. Some are trying to imitate the voice of God who don't believe the Bible and therefore say the Bible doesn't really mean this. 
But Woodland Church, we believe the Bible is the inspired and the infallible Word of God. It is not the Word of men, it's the Word of God once delivered forever and ever. So, I thought it would serve us well if I gave you a little counsel on how to listen to this message this morning because this will be a little different than what you're normally used to hearing me preach or even how I preach. First of all, you may be in a real rich time of fellowship with the Lord right now. I know that I am. Just a real rich sense of fellowship with Jesus. And you may think, I don't need this. God and I, we're... Right now, I'm just in a really rich place. But I would say, listen to this message so that you're prepared. I dare say, I dare say that most of us in this room, we've been through that place in our life where we felt like William Shakespeare once wrote that the heavens were like brass to him. His prayers never went any higher than the ceiling. Any of you ever been through that time where you felt like God wasn't talking to you? Would you lift up your hand? Look, look at that, all around the building. You just felt like you weren't hearing the voice of the Lord. And I promise you, if you haven't been there, the time will come. Because God, from time to time, for whatever His reasons are, and I hope to be able to show you some of that from the Scripture, you'll pray, but you'll not hear anything. But don't despair. So, I would listen to this message if I'm in a rich place and say, I just need to take some notes. I need to save this message offline for that time when it comes. And if you're going through that time, then God is talking to you right now. He wants to say something to you from the Word of the Lord. So would you stand with me and let's pray together. Father, in the life of every mature believer, there have been those times it just seems like you were quiet. Luther testified about it. Spurgeon testified about it. Whitfield testified about it. Jonathan Edwards wrote about it. Lord God, there are those times that you're quiet. And help us to not give up in despair, but to remember you're always there. Even when you're quiet, you're there. Jesus, you have promised to never leave us or forsake us. But Lord, if we're in a place this morning and we're not a Christian, and for whatever the reason, we've come to Woodland today, then Jesus, you have sovereignly brought me here. I'm not here by an accident, especially when the subject is what it is today. So I pray that, Lord, you will help those who aren't even believers yet to listen and to hear what God says to them through the Scripture and to apply. And Father, for those of us, and Lord, this is a rich, rich time. And I pray, make us wise so that we're
we're prepared, but also so that like Tom Lawrence and somebody like myself comes and we're just discouraged because we're young. We don't have that much experience yet. We just have a passion and a zeal for you and for lost people. And Tom opened up the scriptures just like you did with your disciples and fed me the word of the Lord. And for that, I will ever be grateful. So now we commit this time to you to listen. Which in Christ's name I pray. And everyone said, Amen. God bless you. Grab a pen and let's get going this morning. Well, the first question I'd like to to ask you this morning if God is quiet and he's not talking to you is sin your problem is sin the problem that's hindering you from hearing from God I was recently watching a television program with my wife and in the television show the protagonist was trying to who was a detective was trying to figure out why a crime had not been reported and so as he and his partner are talking together, the protagonist says, why would somebody not call us when there had been this major burglary in their home? That's a hard word for me to say, burglary. I practiced it and still mess it up. I listened to dictionary.com over and over and still couldn't get it right. How, why wouldn't they call? And then they both looked at each other like a light bulb went off in their head and they said, only a thief can't find a cop. Only a thief can't find a cop. And so when they looked up his record, there were all these crimes that he had been convicted of and jail time and things that he had done. So they understood. Sometimes people come to me and they ask me to bless things that I can't bless. A couple came to me and asked me to bless their business, and I go from time to time, and it's always a joy and a privilege to do so. There's some of you in this room that I have been and prayed over your businesses, and we dedicate your business to the Lord and what you're doing. We ask God to bless your productivity, to make you fruitful, and that God will be glorified through your work. But this particular couple who asked me to come bless their business, I told him, I said, I'm sorry, I, I can't bless your business. I, I like you guys a whole lot. I mean, you've become friends, and I think the world of you, and I was asked to be at the opening, which I gladly attended the opening, but I didn't do what they'd asked me to do, to bless their business, because their business does things and sells things that aren't healthy to human flourishing. As a matter of fact, I kind of went over. I said, these are things that you do that the Bible calls sin. And because I love you, I will be there to celebrate your grand opening with you. But I can't ask God to bless you because that's a prayer that God would not honor, nor would God bless. You see, when you don't live according to the standards of God or you don't apply the scriptures to your life, you, you can't ask God to bless that. There have been numerous times over the years. There are now people that are members of this congregation that came to me and asked me to do their wedding when they were living together and not married. And we talked and I said, I can't, you know, do your wedding unless you're willing to repent of your sins, nor can any of my staff do your wedding until you're willing to repent of your sins and give your heart and life to Jesus Christ. And I said, 
one of you gives your heart and life to Jesus Christ and the other doesn't, then we have a new dilemma. And that dilemma is that the Bible says that you can't be unequally yoked, that a Christian can't be married to a non-Christian. This is a huge matter of importance and faith. Now, if you're already married to a non-Christian, it's not the will of God for you to get out of that marriage. The Bible tells you it has a lot to say about how to pray for and how to love your spouse. Sometimes people look at me and they go, no one's ever told us that. And my first thoughts inside, I don't tell them this, is that's a shame. Sometimes people have looked at me and said, well, nobody's ever confronted with We, we want to do what's right. As a matter of fact, there's one couple that we're very, very close to now that here at this church, I was able to celebrate their wedding. They had children and everything, but I said, look, here's what we're going to do. You're going to live separately. You're going to commit to, to not having sex together. If you want God to bless your marriage and to bless these children, and you're really serious about following Christ, let's start this the right way, and we will go through 12 weeks of premarital counseling. And I looked at him, and I said, can you go 12 weeks without making love? To this woman that you have lived with and made two children with. And his eyes filled with tears and he says, Pastor, nobody's ever told me this was a sin. I didn't know. And now their lives are blessed. Their children are growing in Christ. They are happy. You see, when we live according to God's standards, we can expect to flourish and God lavishes his grace upon us. The reason God hates sin is because of what sin does to us. There's not a mother or father in here that wants your children to, to smoke because you know what lung cancer would do to them. You know how it would destroy their body. I listened to the Surgeon General this week pleading with parents to not allow their children access to these inhalers with their fruity flavors because it's addicting them to nicotine. And as he talked about the number, the astonishing number of middle schoolers whose parents have purchased this and allowed them to use it because they think it's harmless. He's hoping that parents will listen. And I've often wondered, has America become so silent about what the Word of God says that we no longer recognize right from wrong? In John chapter 9 and verse 31, the Bible says we know that God doesn't listen to sinners but he's ready to hear those who worship him and do his will. There's a horrifying story in 1 Samuel chapter 28. It's about a man named Saul that became the king of Israel. Saul started out well. He was humble. He was a great king. He was a good king. As a matter of fact, he did not even want to be the king of Israel. He tried to hide and shirk from that responsibility because he didn't feel worthy to be king. He wasn't like Simba in Lion King who was singing, oh, I just can't wait to be king. He was hiding among the baggage, and he started out so well, and God blessed him, and he flourished, and God gave him victory after victory, and maybe you're here today, and you started out well in your life for Christ. You started out flourishing, and the hand of God was upon you, but Saul grew proud, and Saul grew arrogant, and Saul got to the place where he no felt like he needed God, but I promise you, sir, I promise you, ma'am, there will come a time where you need God. 
And Saul continued to sin against God and rebel against God in such a way that it's a sad thing, but God quit talking to Saul. Samuel the prophet was grieved because he realized that Saul had crossed the line. I don't know where that line is. I don't know anyone else that knows where that line is. But Saul had unwittingly and unknowingly crossed the line in his sin and rebellion against God. In the book of Genesis, the Bible talks about with one of the most promising verses that I know of where God says, my spirit will not always strive with man. Thank God that God's spirit strives with us. Can you say amen? Thank God that the Spirit strives. I am grateful that God strove with my heart. I'm grateful that God convicted my heart. I'm grateful that God dealt with me. But there comes a place, and I have no idea where that place is, where God says, I will no longer strive with man. And Saul had crossed that line. And when he faced an enemy far superior to him, the Bible says in 1 Samuel 28, he was frantic. He was petrified with fear. And so he's done what many in our culture and society has done today. He turned to the occult. He sought out someone who worked in divination. And on that very day when Saul had sought out this witch at Endor, trying to get a word, trying to get supernatural guidance, trying to get some kind of divine guidance, it's like many today turning to Far Eastern religions or to the occult or witchcraft or horoscopes or Ouija boards, whatever it is that people turn to, palm readers, hoping to get some sort of direction. Friends, I'm here to tell you there is nothing but death that way. And when you cross that line, if you're not listening to me today, when you cross that line, there will come a point in your life where you need God. And if God isn't talking to you, you will seek out that that will bring destruction to you and your family. And on that very day, Saul and his wonderful son, Jonathan, died. Sin is nothing to joke about. Sin is nothing to mock. Sin is nothing to take lightly. David said in Psalm 66 and verse 18, if I had not confessed the sin of my heart, the Lord would not have listened there's always hope for the person that will repent. There's always hope for the person that will confess their sins. And if that's you this morning and you know you've been hiding sin in your heart, you may have been a member of this church, you may be going through all the motions and the singing the right songs and tithing and being in a small group, but somehow or another you're covering up the sin in your heart, you can be assured, sir, God is not listening to those prayers until you first deal with the sin that's in your heart. You see, repent means to agree with God that what I'm doing is wrong. What I'm doing is sin. It, and the reason God hates sin one more time is because sin keeps people from flourishing. This week I was asked if being a homosexual will keep you out of heaven. Will being a homosexual send you to hell? And I said, well, let me answer that question like this. Being a heterosexual won't keep you out of heaven, and being a heterosexual won't send you to hell. It's not whether you're a heterosexual or a homosexual that saves you. It's whether you repent of your sins and put your heart and faith and your trust in Jesus Christ. 
Sometimes we focus upon cultural things that we like or dislike and try to substitute that and say, well, this is okay and that is okay. But what the Bible says is sin, we abandon, we confess. If not, sin keeps us from flourishing. Sin keeps us from being what God has created us to be and called us to be. Not only in relationship with him, but in relationship with one another. I've listened with interest in times past to the sermons that were preached when Richard Nixon was the president of the United States. Some of the most powerful sermons and persuasive preaching that I've listened to. President Nixon would hear those sermons. It's on tape. He would thank the chaplain or thank the guest pastor. Leonard Ravenhill, that may, may not mean anything to most of you, but Leonard Ravenhill, whose writings had a big influence on me as a young man, was asked during that time, would you preach at the White House? They censor your messages. They tell you what you can say and can't say to the president. He says, of course I would preach at the White House. And then when I got done, I would say, let us pray. And then I would pray the word of God. But Richard Nixon would listen to those messages and then walk right out of those and the tapes having with profanities and blasphemies using God's name pouring out of his mouth. You see, having a form of godliness but denying who God is doesn't do you any good, sir. And it brought such devastation, not only to the Nixon family and the Nixon name, but to the United States of America. Even so, when we were going on our family vacation two years ago through the President Ford Museum in Grand Rapids, we were blown away at how much Watergate overshadowed President, Ford, President Ford's administration. But there's another story in the Bible, and it's about a young man who sinfully rebelled against his father. In essence, says, I wish that you were dead, and took his inheritance and rebelled against God and went and wasted his life, wasted his father's inheritance with sinful living, and he ended up as a young Jewish boy living and feeding the pigs, which was the bottom of the barrel. You couldn't get much lower than that. And the Bible tells the story of how Jesus said that he wished that he could eat the slop, the things that the pigs were eating. But in that pig pen, he came to his senses and he repented. And he said, even my father's servants have it better than this. I will go home and tell my father I am not worthy. And he went home and says, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father rushed out and embraced him and took him and put a ring on his finger, which if that doesn't mean anything to you, that was like giving him his American Express card. He put upon his back a new robe and he threw a party for him. Because when we repent of our sins, what David is saying, if you'll put that verse back up there for me again, Adam, what he's saying there is if I had not confessed, the Lord would not have listened. The positive corollary to that is I confess my sins and God heard my prayers. And when we confess our sins, we can expect God to hear and we can expect God to respond to us. Can we give him a hand of praise for that this morning? Now there's four more points. That was the longest point, so don't start sweating here and just relax. 
The second question I'd ask you is, impatience my problem? Is impatience my problem? I am always amused at some of the little ads that pop up on my phone. One of them's called Luminosity. Has anybody seen that ad? If you have, hold up your hand. Yeah, it's everybody I've asked this week, they've heard of Luminosity. And if you subscribe to it, don't be angry at me, but Luminosity recently had to settle a lawsuit with the FDA. I was wondering, what does the FDA have to do with this? But anyway, because they were promising things that they can't do, and that is, they'll make you smarter, quicker, People impatient to learn who don't want to study, they want to play a game on their iPhone and that's going to make you smart. It's amazing how gullible we can be. I watched the sales on the television shows and I watched with Becky sometime and I looked to Becky one night and I says, is America getting old? And she goes, why? I says, look at all the drugs they're marketing about making us smarter and our memory being better and cognitive boosts that we're going to get. There was recently an add-on that if I slept with these little electrical receptors upon my head, it would stimulate my brain in the night and therefore my memory would become better. So I decided to search it out. It's not people my age, and I hope it's because we're smart that are buying those things. The people that are buying those things are college students trying to get their memories boosted. I've got news for you. Stop drinking, go to bed early, exercise, and study hard in school. You'll make it. <laughs> You'll make it. That was only mamas and daddies clapping right there. Matthew 7, 7, Jesus says, keep on asking, you'll receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. When our children were small, they gave me a real lesson in this verse of scripture. Children can be adorable and annoying at the same time. I remember in our garage in Georgia, I was cleaning up in the garage and I had promised the kids we were gonna do something and they kept coming out of the house, daddy, daddy, you promised. I said, I know I pro we're gonna do it, but I, I gotta finish this. Go back inside, we'll go and I'm done. Daddy, 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 and kiss on on. And on. have you ever noticed that kids just don't quit? They're like a little bulldog. <laughs> Finally, in my frustration, I turn around and says, Stop asking, I told you I would and we'll do it. And tears in their little eyes, they went in with their tails stuck between their legs. And I felt about this big. Am I the only parent that's ever done that in this place? There's sin in your heart if you didn't agree with me. <laughs> that night during our family devotions, I got down in our living room and I knelt before my four children and I apologized and I wept. And I said, I am sorry because you taught daddy today he's not God. <laughs> I don't think that was any big surprise to them. <laughs> and I read them this verse of scripture. Jesus says, keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. And I said, from now on, because your mother is the most saintly person I know. Keep on asking, keep on seeking, and keep on knocking at your mama's door. 
but thank you for teaching me. I am not God. You see, impatience can lead you into sin. Moses went up on the mountain to pray, and when he didn't come back, when the people expected him to come back, they grew impatient. The Bible says they grew impatient, and so they said to Aaron, he's not coming back, so make us an idol. And they bought their gold necklaces and rings, and Aaron melted them down and made them a golden calf that reflected the culture that they came from. And they began to dance around this calf and worship this calf. And Moses came down the mountain, and he was furious. And he looks at his brother, and he says, what have you done? And you see, when you're impatient with God and you sin, you're tempted to make up the most ludicrous stories that are. That psychologists call that rationalization. Let me just tell you, it's ludicrous, <laughs> which means foolish, which means you know what it means. Aaron says, Moses, he just jumped out of the fire. You see, we begin to rationalize as though we had no responsibility. I want to tell you something. When God doesn't answer your prayer on your timetable, God is still at work in your life. You can always trust him. One day Jesus told his disciples a story to show they should always pray and never give up. But when the Son of Man returns, how many will he find on the earth who have faith? Circle that in your outline. Who have faith? In my prayer, because I believe with all of my heart that Jesus could come at any moment, it may be a long time, but I believe he could come at any moment. I hope that he comes today. But when he comes, I want him to find faith in your heart, in my heart. I want him to find faith in the people of God at Woodland Church. That's what he wants. And the people who are willing to wait on God when it seems like God is not answering their prayers. The third thing is, are you blaming God? Are you blaming God? Because sometimes God is just going to let you be quiet until you get done with your temper tantrum. And again, if you'll let me use children, I've seen some wise parents sometime, their child will throw a fit, and rather than smack them, I've seen them right there in the restaurant, let them lay there and kick and holler. Child will get quiet, we're talking, they'll say, don't look at them. Don't look. If you don't look at them, they'll stop. I mean, they've got a well-established pet. Now, that wouldn't have happened with Rebecca Clanton. I can promise you that. They would have made a trip out to the van and came back in and been angelic. <laughs> yes, I heard that. But I've noticed someday let them kick. And I've seen out of the corner of my eye, they'll look up. Mom and dad aren't responding. They'll get back up and crawl in their chair. You see, when you're blaming God, he's going to let you pout. He's going to let you act like a baby, but you're not going to grow. And you're not going to get anything from God when you're screaming at him. I mean, he can handle it. He still loves you. These parents, they love their children. God can handle your blaming him. I was reading a story recently. Mother wrote, she says, We've always wanted our son to realize that God made everything. So when it rains, we say to our son, honey, who made it rain? 
He goes, God did. So when the sun is shining, they say, honey, who made the sun? The little boy would always smile and say, God did. She says, one day I walked to his room and it was a mess. And I says, honey, who made this mess? Said my son, stood there for a minute and went, God did. <laughs> and honestly, there are some messes in our life sometimes that maybe we didn't make. Daniel was praying. Remember I told you about Daniel earlier as I was preparing you for the message? Daniel didn't make the mess that he was in. His grandparents and his parents, they had made the mess that Daniel was in. And Daniel and his children were paying the price of their parents' sin and their rebellion against God. And so as Daniel is praying, he doesn't give up because God doesn't answer according to his timetable. Daniel just holds fast to the Lord. And sometimes, even in the New Testament, people who love Jesus, they blame God. I'll let you get that. <laughs> Once a lady who loved Jesus, but she had called and asked Jesus to come, and Jesus didn't come when he wanted to come when she wanted him to come. And so when Jesus arrived on the scene, Martha said, and you'll see it on the screen, John 11, 21, Lord, and I can almost hear the sarcasm dripping off her voice, Lord, if you'd only been here, my brother wouldn't have died. You see, Jesus wasn't the one that caused Lazarus to die. I was teasing Pastor Corey it's Corey, in all the years I've been a pastor and all the church services I've never been to, I've never heard you pray what you prayed in the first service. And he prayed it again in the second service. And that was, Lord, if they've got germs, help them not to spread it around. I thought it was a pretty good prayer. Sometimes I've gotten sick, not because I have done something unhealthy, but I've been around unhealthy people. Lord, if you'd have been here, Jesus wasn't the cause, but Jesus didn't come. Jesus didn't answer. Jesus didn't answer the text message. Jesus didn't answer the email. Jesus didn't answer the smoke signal. He didn't answer the prayer. He said, guys, we're going to hang out here for a little while. We're just going to let Lazarus die. So, boy, that doesn't sound like the Jesus I learned about in children's church. Well, that leads me to my next question. And that is, do you believe that God has a purpose when he's being silent? Because God had a purpose in waiting. God always has a purpose. Sometimes when God is silent and he's not answering your prayers the way you think he ought to answer those prayers, it's because, as Arthur Henry Blackaby said in his book, Experiencing God, God has a bigger purpose in your life than you could have ever dreamed or imagined. God has a much greater purpose, something big he wants to do. And if you trust God and you keep applying the principles of this book to your life, then you know that when God is silent, it's not because he's left you. He's promised to always be with you, never to forsake or abandon you. But God has something special and wonderful in store for you when he's being quiet. Can we give him a hand of praise for that this morning?
Jesus arrived on the scene, and I'm sure you know the story. And Jesus gets to the tomb with Martha and Mary. And Jesus is getting ready to do what theologians would call a sign and a wonder. You see, there's a difference between miracles and signs and wonders. Miracles is what God does for his people. When God heals us, when our answer to our prayers, or God blesses us financially when we had no way, it was a miracle. That's what God does for his people. A sign and wonder is meant to open the eyes of the unbelievers. And if we love lost people, and if we want to be bold expressors of God's word, and if we've really been filled with the Holy Spirit, if we've really been baptized with the Holy Spirit, then we have caught what Jesus has said so that we could be witnesses for Christ, so that we could declare the glory and the goodness of God. And we want him to use us. We're willing to bear our cross. Remember last week we said a cross is something it's something you don't have to do. We want God to use us to reach people. And God says, roll away the stone. And Martha and Mary looked at him and says, Lord, by this time he stinks. And the issue in your life may have reached to the level where it's foul and smell. The issue in your life may have reached the level where it seems to be corrupted. But friends, don't you ever give up on oh God Almighty. God is in control. And when God rolls away the stone, death has to surrender and resurrected life comes forth in Jesus' name. Resurrected life comes forth. God did it so that the eyes of all of those who had been questioning whether Jesus was truly the Messiah or not would recognize Jesus is Lord. And people began to buzz with excitement and wonder, could this really be the Messiah? And I hope there's something about that quality of your life and my life and our life as a church that reveals to lost people the glory of God. Oswald Sanders in his book, Daily Thoughts for Disciples, wrote this, some prayers are followed by silence because they are wrong. Others because they are bigger than we can understand. It will be a wonderful moment for some of us when we stand before God and find that the prayers we clamored for in early days and imagined were never answered. And they have been answered in the most amazing ways and that God's silence, read this with me, God's silence has been the sign of the answer. Would you read it one more time? And God's silence has been the sign of the answer. Sweetheart, would you come on up to the piano? Jesus felt the silence of God. There is he hung, suspended between heaven and earth, not for anything he had done, but to take your sins and my sins upon himself. The very things that I spent the majority of this message talking about this morning that separate you from God, that keep you from flourishing, the very things that keep you from experiencing life and life more abundantly. You won't find it in the occult. You won't find it in materialism, your golden calf, or hedonism, your golden calf, or anything else you try to substitute for God. It's why Jesus took our sins upon himself. 
there Jesus experienced that moment when God quit speaking to him. He had heard his voice, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. He would heard his voice as he sought him in those early morning hours. He himself said, I only do what I hear my father, I only say what I hear my father saying. God's never silent. But when he's not talking to you, there's a reason. And Jesus said, these words that you've heard every Good Friday here at Woodland Church, but they come from Psalms 22, when David experienced it. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Why are you so far away when I groan for help? Every day I call to you, my God, but you didn't answer. Every night I lift my voice, but I find no relief. In that time, God grew David not only as a man, but as a king. And he learned how to wait upon God and trust God. Those times where we were hiding in caves, he had a promise from God. Yes, Simba, one day you will be king. He had a promise from God. Yes, David, one day you will be king. But sometimes there are jackals, there are deserts, there are fires, and there are demons from hell that will try to keep you. There are principalities and powers that war in the heavenlies that will try to keep you receiving your answer from God but you hang in there Daniel you are greatly beloved by God Daniel you are greatly beloved by God Becky told me one time she says tell me again that you love me I said is something wrong she says no just like to hear you say it and I got to tell you I love to hear Dennis you are loved by God and because God gave his son in Calvary and there Jesus experienced the silence of God and his pain and suffering he did it because you are greatly loved by God not when you've done anything to deserve it not when you were good but while we were lost in our trespasses and sin so I ask you today have you unconditionally surrendered to God have you given to God everything have you yielded your whole life to Jesus or is he for you just fire insurance in 1st Peter chapter 5 the Bible says God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, and at the right time, we'll lift you up in honor. Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. Would you stand with me this morning? Father in heaven I thank you for the deep wisdom that comes 
I thank you for the deep wisdom that comes when you are quiet, not from the false religions of this world, not from a shopping trip, not from a football game. But Lord, just as Tom sat with me in that upper parking lot and taught me what to do when it seems like you're not speaking to me. God, I thank you that as we humble ourselves in your mighty hand, that God, you will lift us up. And when you lift us up, <laughs> nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible. Our families can flourish. Our businesses can flourish. Our communities can flourish. A nation can flourish when a nation listens to God. I pray for those today that are here in your providence that God they like Saul Lord sin has come between you and them they've allowed it in their lives or Lord maybe they've not confessed their sin and I ask you Jesus would you touch and would you convict Holy Spirit when we sin we need our eyes opened oh God before we reach that place like the prodigal son reached there's a place of repentance and God most assuredly before we reach that place that Saul reached I don't know where that line is Lord fearsome thing I can imagine is if you were to decide to quit speaking to me. In Hebrews chapter 2, while your heads are bowed, the writer of the book of Hebrews is writing to the church. He says, we must listen very carefully to the truth we have heard or we may drift away from it. That word drift is interesting to me. Sometimes we don't realize we're drifting. Maybe we're out on the ocean and we're floating on our backs. We get sleepy and we close our eyes and in a few moments we open up only to see we've drifted far from where we thought we were at and we didn't even know it. God is speaking to your heart about drifting this morning. For the message God delivered through the angels has always stood firm and every violation of the law and every act of disobedience was punished. So what makes us think we can escape if we ignore this great salvation that was first announced by the Lord Jesus himself? I'm asking you, don't ignore the invitation this morning to give your life to Jesus. I'm asking you, don't drift away. But this morning, may God give you the grace to pray with me and to say, I surrender my life to Jesus Christ. And if you want to pray that, just pray quietly right there where you're standing and something like this say, 
Dear Heavenly Father, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I repent. I agree with you, God, that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. I agree with you, Lord, that sin is slowly destroying me. And though I may look fine on the outside, inside I'm dying. I'm not flourishing. So thank you that Jesus went through the sufferings and your silence so that my sins could be washed away. And as much as I know how, I commit my life to Jesus. No one's looking around, not at all. But if you prayed that prayer with me this morning, would you hold up your hand real high so I can see it? Yes, all around the building, all around the building. Hold it up high. Don't be ashamed. Hold it up. There you go. All around this building. You can put them down now. The church, I want you to, everyone, you can look at me. I want us in our fasting and prayer this week, I want us to pray for our nation. Because when Paul was writing the book of Romans, he wrote something that all this week has just been petrifying me. Paul writes what I told you at the very beginning of this message, how that every day God is speaking, how he writes about how the gospel, and those of you that raise your hand and cross the line, that the gospel is the good news of Jesus is the power of God unto salvation. But he says, people, this generation, they knew God but they wouldn't worship him. So they became foolish. They claimed to be so smart, instead they became fools. And then these words, so God abandoned them. I'm asking us, let's pray for our nation. Let's pray for our country. Anybody can throw rocks at us. Anybody can criticize us. Anybody can condemn us. But let's be bold expressors of the love of God because I've never known God to do anything in the Bible or in life through people's condemnations and destructive criticisms. But I have seen God do miracles like he did in Valdosta, Georgia through the intercession and the prayers of God's people to open their hearts and minds and to send revival one more time. Would you agree with me on that? Let's give the Lord a hand of praise this morning.